Welcome to For What It's Worth. It's the Halloween special. And now, Ruin Tugs. The season two special two Halloween special special special. That was very special. <laughs> so season two episode. I mean, sorry, we two, just did that. Two Halloween special. <laughs> We're obviously very that. distracted because we have our very own live keyboardist here sitting on our couch. So. That is pretty cool. And so we're, we may be a little distracted in this episode. I like how the sound engineer has to step in for us. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we do have live music. Christian has come to the studio, and he is playing music live for this very special episode. And it's Hello. awesome. Is that your theme song? <laughs> is that the cue That's... when you enter a room? <laughs> no, this is... <laughs> That's Christian's theme. It's frightening. Oh, that's so scary. Yeah. Well, it is Halloween season, and so we've asked everyone to send in stories that they love, that they may have written, just funny moments, and we got like four things. So this is going to be a short episode. So thank you for for those that that did send that in. We got more than four. No one sent us candy. I was very disappointed. I cried at night. Because of it. Anyway, okay. so what we will have coming up first uh, in our special is a story from Koru. What are you going to be telling us about? Not the story we gave you. I really don't have any stories, except I, I think it's a really interesting fact. When I was growing up, my mom used to make all of our or all of my costumes for all of my Halloweens for years and years. And the very first one I remember, I was about five years old, and I had a full-on open-face mouse costume. So when people ask me the first time I wore a fursuit, I could literally say I was five years old. She planted that seed in you early. Probably. And there's pictures floating around somewhere, too. She has those. There are no pictures of you on the internet, though. Yeah, I know. Sounds like my parents, when I was like five years old, they dressed me up in this like zebra costume, as you guys remember from last a year. A zebra costume? Yeah, a zebra costume. Oh. Um, also, we had a like a lion costume or whatever, and I won a costume contest, and for the prize, they gave me a brush. What? Because I had tangled Wait. fur and stuff like, like that. Are we talking like a shower brush? No, we're talking about like a hair brush. That is retarded. I know. Like, wore, and my sister uh, won a video game. Like, why didn't I get the video game? Because you had a mange. Yeah. I wore my first fursuit in utero. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Well, we have a voicemail. Yes. From Midnight. From Midnight, who won our contest, who has a lanyard, so I don't know how that's going to work. Like, Midnight probably spammed, like, our... He spammed our voicemail. Yeah, he did. So, uh, we have it ready, and here it is. Hello there, fellow furry and badger, Cornelius Badgerson here. I'm calling today because I heard that you're telling spooky stories. I call now because 
Me and my cubs were out once camping, and I wish to regale you with the tale. We were camping deep within the forest, and there in the distance could be heard the sound of a large and fat, stumbling, uncoordinated creature, trumbling through the forest, literally a jump. There in the distance could be seen the glow of its cell phone, its small but tiny beady eyes bearing down on us. They began to yell something like, Hey, dude! And that's when we saw them. Humans! Humans in the forest! I felt as if though my heart had stopped. I was struck in with fear. My cubs began to mule in a sound of utter terror. We ran, ran as fast as we could. Or the humans could not catch us. But they were there. Later, when we returned to the campsite in the daylight to retrieve our camping gear, Everything had been destroyed and strewn about. The campsite was the most horrific and most mind-scarring detail. Scattered about the campsite were the remnants and wrappers of uh, McDonald's McRibs. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Thank you for your time. Good day. <laughs> Was that a McRib? <laughs> the yeah. McRibs killed his campsite or whatever? <laughs> yes, the McRibs. <laughs> In case any of you are wondering, that was not a fake accent. He just sounds like that. <laughs> whatever happened to the 30 second time limit for voicemails? Um, that was a story, so it was exempt. <laughs> also, I grabbed the wrong MP3. It was just convenient that this was his story. <laughs> nice. I know, it worked out nicely. So, so what, what MP3 was with, that? What is, uh, it was a second voicemail. What is this uh, with the McRib stuff? He hates McRib. And they're delicious. <laughs> and he, he thinks I'm sick for liking McRib, but I love them. I think they're delicious, but I also think that they're terrible for you, so it's like a guilty pleasure. You know what's the bad part about a McRib are those crappy little onions that they put on there? It's a guilty pleasure, unlike everything else at McDonald's. <laughs> is that is that why that they That's said the, the other day? They, they were talking to a group of people, and they said, for media, yeah. better than a McRib. <laughs> did they really? Yeah, they did. <laughs> nice. A lot of things are better than McRib, but I, you know what? I, I could just go to the store and get one of those microwave patties that the Salisbury steak ones. Those are basically McRibs. So, Halloween. Halloween. That is kind of scary, though. We are talking about McRibs. Okay. Firebreath wrote a story. I think it's actually a poem. And we have that on tap. So, here it comes. It was the weekend before Halloween. Outside, not a furry to be seen. They were recording another episode of For What It's Worth. Another auditive orgasm was given birth. Like always, 
Tugs was getting things along, and Rue provided comic relief. While Koru was looking for another break song, and a guest was caught in the middle of mischief. Just barely after they started, Rue was giggling with glee. Guess what, guess what, the wine-colored fox stated. Now's the time for me to get a cookie. The four furries were quite eager to see what nonsensical weird-ass fortune contained this dried pastry. Rue reached in the bag, then yelled surprisingly. Seriously, you guys, this isn't funny. The bag's fucking empty. Everyone was quite taken aback. Then Koru said, Sure you didn't have a midnight snack? Tugs shook his head. He blew a whole paycheck at Costco last week. He brought over 20 pounds of those goddamn sweets. We ate those things for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. I gave some to everybody like some crazy pusher. Rue shrieked. Who knows who's behind this caper? I just hope it's not a cookie monster. As if on cue, a loud noise was heard. Not like a car, a plane, or a bird. And no, I'm not saying this because I'm a fan, because it certainly wasn't Superman. The four scared furs set to find a source. As they were getting closer, it got louder, of course. Oh, hush, I know it's not that scary. I know Edgar Allan Poe or Stephen King writing misery. Now, uh, where was I? Oh yes, I remember. The four furs were searching the house when the clock struck the hour. Suddenly, something skittered within the house. One thing for sure, it was bigger than a mouse. Then, scratching was heard from an adjacent room, in which Rue looked as if to his doom. In a corner sat a furry masked bandit, holding an orange-ish crumbled cookie and a paper slip. All four furs quickly stormed the room together, terrorizing the impromptu furry fortune teller. Victoriously, Rue picked a paper from the floor. I got it! Let's record some more! When Rue read it, nobody believed what it said. Don't leave cookies unattended, lest someone else eats them. In bed. That was awesome. <laughs> that was that was the most epic story ever. I have to say that was the first time that I've heard that, and I'm just my little foxy heart is just jumping with glee, just a little bit. <laughs> that story was but funny. That's a and horrible awesome. story. It was a great story, and it was made better by the fact that there was awesome music with it. But the cookies. I don't have a sound effect that fits this. <laughs> well, thank you, Firebreath. We appreciate you sending that in. He's our announcer! I know, I know, I know, but still! I can appreciate you our announcers. <laughs> so, Jenica sent us her funniest Halloween moment, but before I read it, does anyone have a really funny Halloween story? Probably when I dressed up as Mrs. Doubtfire. And, like, I had... Did you really? Yeah, I did. I had balloon boobs, and like I was walking down the hall, and like a mother pointed out to me and said, Oh, honey, you're lopsided. Oh, it's <laughs> 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 oh, <that's> great. 
There was another year that I had a costume with um, this grandmother, and I was a, a Boy Scout, so it looked like a grand, like a, a grandmother was giving me a piggyback ride, type thing. That was a that was a pretty cool moment, you know. I won like a whole bunch of different prizes and stuff like that. Really? I was like a, yeah, I was a Boy Scout getting a piggyback ride from her. <laughs> she was helping you cross the road. Yeah, she was helping me <laughs> cross the road to get to the other side. I I'm afraid that my Halloween's are drab because I don't remember any funny moments. Really? Maybe no. maybe that doesn't make them drab. Maybe you were like super drunk. As a kid. Okay. <laughs> you said, but you, you said like your Halloween's like plural. So I assumed that. Yeah, you know, that's like, true. I don't period. know. I just I haven't had any bizarre moments. Like I go to a haunted house and scream like a girl. That's pretty much it. <laughs> I just like got candy. I I can't think of anything really interesting that's ever happened to me either. You know, my tradition with what? How about Halloween traditions? What do you usually do on your Halloween tags? Turn off the lights and put a sign on the door that says "We eat children, don't knock on our door." Yep. <laughs> we really have done this ever since I've moved out. Yeah. We'll Are you that. serious? <sighs> this is gonna make me sound like such a jerk, but. Why do kids deserve candy? Why are we giving them free candy? That's my money. Like, why should I give them candy? Like, did you did you take candy as a kid? Did you ever go trick or treating? Yes, you're it's paying giving, it back. Okay, back. so that's it. You, you this is social security. No, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's sovereignty. You're giving it up. You are you are agreeing when you take that candy. You are signing a contract saying I will give out candy at a later date. <laughs> I'm imagining like the Little Mermaid with a fishbone quill. <laughs> No, actually, this year I, yeah. I like at, 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 at every at every single house they just have like an archive. They're like, "All right, what's your name?" And they have like a secretary. Like, "All right, ah, I see, you, Mr. Timmy Williams. All right, you may take a fun sized Snickers bar." <laughs> like, There's nothing fun about fun size. The fun ends quickly. No, no. In all seriousness, I actually did debate getting candy this year, but then I realized, oh, that I would Tuesday. eat it all. I I'd eat it all. Well, that and we don't we don't need more sugar in the house. We need to get rid of all the sugar in the house. Are you really that health nut of a health nut? No, he's not. <laughs> That's the problem. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Candy's, we, candy's not cheap. We we were thinking of being uh, we were thinking of being the the household that gives out the candy with the razor blades in it this year. Oh. <laughs> the hypodermic needles. If, if they yeah. had if they had candy that was called razor blades and it didn't have razor blades, I would give that out because it's funny. There's no sick, twisted sense of candy out there. I guess I'm just wondering, like... You can give out brains. They have, like, body parts and stuff like that. Like, I think it's I think it's weird that, like, we warn children that people, like, go out of their way to kill you on Halloween. Like... <laughs> Ooh, does anybody remember Creepy Crawlers? <gasps> yes! I would make them all the time, little plastic things. Who waited, I would... Who actually waited till they were baked? I just ate the syrup. Oh, that's that's oh. funny because mine were plastic. Um, uh, yeah, mine were too. So they did make, no, they, they had made the gummy edible ones. ones. They, they did. The they did ones. make edible ones. But when you said that at first, I was like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> either, well, way, either way, like I, I would, I would, like I'm pretty sure, like I didn't really figure it out for a long time because I'd be like, oh, another batch of, of black burnt creepy crawlers. Well, you know, like, you know what my mother did? She ended up putting creepy crawlers, those plastic creepy crawlers, crawlers in my pancakes for my birthday. That is awesome. And then, you know, we she like tossed them in the shower, like I was taking a shower and stuff like that. So she would I come think in she while got you're more actively fun. showering and toss them in, like the shower curtain. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Jenica did send us her 
little funny Halloween moment. And it goes like this. In my neighborhood, there is a house that goes all out. It has stacks of corn, hay bales, a graveyard, a strobe light, all the whistles and bells. A couple of years ago, I convinced my kids to go to this house to trick-or-treat. After a while, we walked to the next house. We noticed a few teenagers heading to the house, and all of a sudden, a guy with a chainsaw roaring ran out from the hay bales and chased the teenagers down the street. It was the funniest thing I've ever seen. My kids now insist on going to that house every year just in case it happens again. This house doesn't do this uh, with small children, but they do do this every year. Just the older children get the, the chainsaw. That's her story. That's... That is pretty awesome. Now, does wow. it have the chain on it? Is it just the motor, or uh, is it, it still the chain on there? I'm going to assume it's actually a real chainsaw. Um, well, just because well, who would buy a chainsaw and take the chain off and go through well, all that? Well, normally, okay, well, that's if you're what chasing they use. children, you take the chain off. You yeah. can still use the engine. I wouldn't. <laughs> oh, oh! I can see a picture now of tugs and a chainsaw with little children running away, <laughs> <laughs> like you, that. You have now entered the, the fox tug zone. zone. It was dark outside on the back balcony of Storm Clown Lounge. Storm Clown. Cloud. Quinn Stormcloud, the red, the red squirrel, who was the only one in his family that made this, made use of this place. Out here you can see it, but the noise of busy streets remained blissfully silent across the low hills. Behind him, the glass door slid open. Quinn turned to see Laura, the otter who had arrived over an hour early. She claimed she had had need for a bath after walking on a filthy path to the door. Thankfully, Quinn noted she had dressed in a loose robe instead of her pajamas. The concept of the story night was a sleepover. After all, his guests would leave the next morning after sunrise. She stood as though hiding behind the clear glass, her head poking through the gap of the door. Lennox is here, she said, running a towel through her hair. Her phone buzzed as she pulled it from her pocket, and the others are almost here. You're getting service out here? Quinn asked. Yeah, like one bar. Huh? Well, you'd better pull, put on something warmer. Or it's about time that we left. Left? You didn't think I'd just tell ghost stories, did you? Quinn slipped past Aurora in the doorway and grabbed a bag from the table. In the main lounge room, the chickmunk stood nervously, looking at the decorations in the camped space. Oh, Linux. Oh, Linux, you ready? Linux's face is lit up as she met. Linux's face lit up as he met Quinn's eyes. He nodded. What's going on? Laura asked. Just a little greed greeting. Quinn pulled a mask from her bag and held it out to her. Fancy a bit of fun? 
Vigo closed the car door and looked around the darkened forest at the road's end. This is it? It's the middle of nowhere. Relax, Vigo, said Blaze as he locked the car with his fob. It's just a short hike to the lodge. Blaze was a cheetah, smaller frame but quick on his feet. He'd known Quinn since grade school. He had helped to start the event that he liked to call Storytime at Stormclown Lodge. This year he had opted to bring his friend Vigo the Spaniel and a new acquaintance, Celestina, a white pot vixen. Celestina pulled a flashlight from her bag. Quinn likes his privacy, apparently. Blaze rolled his eyes. It's not his home cell. He just hosts Story Night out there. Well, it doesn't do much to lessen his reading on the Creeper scale. Sal, you haven't even met him. How does he have a reading on the Creeper scale? No, that's exactly how it works. Everyone you haven't met has a Creeper reading. You're supposed to avoid the ones with the higher reading and mingle with the ones with the lower reading, but only if you have to. Does the Creeper reading ever go away? Ideally, yes. But there are unfortunate incidents when you meet someone and they spike their own reading permanently. Like this one time. She swung the flashlight around to the trees behind them. What was that? Vigo ran into Blaze as he stopped. Celestina had the only flashlight for the group, and her sudden attention behind them hindered their visibility considerably. What was that? Blaze asked, shoving Vigo off of him. I thought I heard a twig snap, Celestina said, waving the light over the trees. Then it was probably a twig snapping, Vigo said, dusting himself off. That happens sometimes in forests. Celestina turned the light on the spaniel and gave him a flat look as he mi- that he missed as he held his paws before his eyes. Hey, easy with the light! Celestina returned the flashlight to the path ahead of them, and they continued walking. How much further is it? Her tone was low and menacing. Blaze shrugged. Can't tell. It's usually a five-minute walk, but that's without passing or pausing to check every woodland sound. Hey, it's normal to be a little wary in, fr- in unfamiliar territory, especially at night. Blaze raised his paws. Okay, but don't come crying to me when nothing interesting happens. Shut up! Uh, guys, Vigo interjected, do you hear that? Both Celestina and Blaze rounded on him. Hear what? They yelled in unison. Vigo merely pointed into the trees. A shuffling sound came to them some distance past the trees. Celestina whipped the light back and forth, but they couldn't see anything moving. No, over there, Blaze said. Quit moving the light so much, Vigo hissed. Snap. Celestina gasped and shone the flashlight up to a quivering arrow that had struck the tree next to them. Blaze sighed. All right, Quinn, we know it's you. A second arrow zipped past them, but it skittered on the ground. Seriously, Quinn, I don't want to get shot, Vigo blurted. Yeah, come on. Blaze's comment was cut short as a third arrow flew and struck something soft. The three of them looked to where the arrow had flown, and they saw a form slump to the ground from behind a tree, remarkably close to where they were. The shaft of an arrow poked from the middle of his back. Celestina squinted into the darkness. Is that a squirrel? No, it's a chipmunk, Blaze's eyes widened as he recognized the body. Lennox, he ran forward, but pulled up short when the fallen figure began to move. Celestina let out a quick scream, and the light began shaking uncontrollably. Blaze saw Lennox's body lift itself on its hands and knees before the light vanished completely. Celestina had dropped the flashlight and was running up the path. Go get her, Blaze yelled to Vigo. She'll just get lost. Blaze turned his attention back to where Lennox had fallen. Two eyes stared back at him, glowing a threatening red, a guttural ground noise in the darkness. Actually, Blaze squeaked, I think I'll join you. Blaze turned and ran. In a few moments, Blaze had caught up to Celestina and Vigo. After stumbling a bit in the dark, they came within sight of Quinn's lodge. Two stories high and with a faux log cabin facade, it looked a welcome sight to them. Their feet thundered on the path as their way became clear. Then they all stopped abruptly. Silhouetted in the doorway was an unfamiliar figure. Blaze could tell the person was female. Her broad tail combined with her long torso suggested an otter. 
but he didn't know any others. Was this one of, one of Quinn's friends? She was screaming, pounding on the front door as if she would knock it down to get inside. Maybe she was panicked as they were. Maybe she was as panicked as they were. Maybe she was as panicked as they were. Hello? She hesitated, then hunched as though ready to spring in, into an attack. Or was she starting to cower as though cornered? Blaze stepped forward, spreading his hands. Are you okay? Are you trying to reach Quinn? I think he's out in the forest somewhere. The otter sank to her knees. Her shoulders shook. Was she crying? Blaze stepped into the porch. Hey, it'll be alright. She spun suddenly on her feet, her eye sockets seemed empty, and her mouth was filled with sharp teeth pointed in multiple directions. Blaze yelled in surprise and stumbled off the porch, falling on his back. He scrambled back, and Vigo tried to help him to his feet. Halfway up, Blaze froze. The monster was laughing. A high feminine giggle escaped from the monster's mismatched teeth. She held her sides, falling short of breath. At that moment, the door opened wide. What's all this noise? Quinn said, stepping onto the porch. Blaze chuckled as he caught up with what was going on. Good one, Quinn. I didn't see that one coming. Quinn smiled conspiratoriously. My dear Blaze, I have no idea what you mean. Lara... Lara, uh, Lara said you can... Lara, you can take the mask off now. So you scrambled through the trees and got back in through the balcony, right? You shot Lennox, Vigo shouted. Lennox stepped out with the others. Who shot Lennox? He began spinning a broken arrow shaft in his fingers and adopted a look of confusion. Well, it seems we're all safe and sound, Quinn said, turning to lead them in. Come inside and I'll get... Hello. Quinn said to Celestina, who now stood in front of him. She punched him dead in the face. I'm not going to say you didn't deserve it. Lennox held Quinn a bag of peas from the freezer. But I'm going to apologize for laughing my head off. Quinn pressed the bag into his right eye. Hey, what's the matter? It's just a matter of time. I guess um, Laura's part was a bit much. Lennox shrugged. It would, it would have been worth it if she had cracked. She hadn't cracked during the performance. She did good for her first time, though. Just then, Laura stepped into the kitchen. Thanks. She said as she opened up the fridge. She emerged cracking a Dr. Pepper. So when does the story start? Lennox snorts. Technically, it already has. Quinn lowered his bag and gave Lennox a, a shut up before you get punched in the face look. It depends, he says to Laura. Has C C Celestina calmed down yet? About the creeper scale. And the dog teased her a bit. But she but she's not talking anymore. I'd say she she's as calm as she's going to get. We need to talk to Blaze about the kinds of people to bring to story night. Vixens are off the list, Quinn sighed. Let's get this over with. He picked up a bowl of popcorn and Lennox grabbed a tray of pizza rolls. 
The fire crackled softly in the fireplace. Blaze had the noise. Blaze had his noise in the mag magazine. He he fetched from somewhere. And Vego sat sat across from the landscape, painting that dom domesticated domesticated the wall opposite the couches. Celestina sat on the armchair with her legs crossed and her arms folded, glaring at nothing in particular. She glanced at Quinn for a moment when he entered. She avoided his eyes after that. It's good to see friends having such a good time, Quinn said cheerily. Lara slumped sideways in an armchair while Lennox took his place on top of the chair. As you know, my name is Quinn Stormcloud, and it has been brought forcibly to my attention that all you came for was a story. Quinn paused for laughter, but all he got was a weak snicker from Lennox. Very well, are you all comfortable? Drinks, anyone? Laura slurped her DP. Right. If at any point you need anything, my fridge is always open. Quinn cleared his throat. Now, tonight's story begins a few weeks ago with a story printed in a local newspaper. The headline, The windows rattled, and an eerie howling worked its way from the chimney. Quinn paused at the sounds. I didn't ask for sound effects. No one spoke. The only response was Laura raising an eyebrow that said, Get on with it. Sheesh, tough crowd, Quinn thought. He picked up his thread with ease. The headline read, Serial killer acquitted. Simon Belfry was released yesterday following a surprising jury verdict. Simon, a former Pennsylvania resident, was accused of multiple killings of teens and young adults. The windows rattled again, louder this time. It was accompanied by a rhythmic pounding. What keeps doing that? I'll go check the roof, Blaze offered. He'd been there before and he knew his way around. Popping a pizza roll into his mouth, he stood and walked up the stairs to the balcony door. He slid the door open quickly and stepped outside. Looking up, he was he strained to see what was on the roof. Quinn stepped toward the kitchen. While we have a break, does anyone need a drink? Water? Soda? Juice? I'll have an orange soda if you have one, Vigo said at last. Anyone else? Quinn asked. With no other response, Quinn turned to leave, but the sounds of a scuffle from outside stopped him. Blaze's voice came through the open door. Hey, who are you? No, don't come near me! Hey, no! His cries dissolved into an incoherent screaming. Then Blaze's yells fell away, punctuated by a loud thud. Then silence. Everyone in the sitting room looked at each other. Celestina pointed threateningly at Quinn. This better not be another joke, Squirrel. Quinn raised his paws. I learned my lesson with you the first time. Then you didn't tell Blaze to do that? Lennox asked. Quinn shook his head, his eyes wide. And there's someone out there? asked Lara. And that just threw Blaze off the roof, Vigo added. We're just going to leave the door open, Celestina pointed out. Right. Quinn dashed up the steps, slid the door closed, and flicked the latch. That's not going to hold anyone out if they want to get in, Laura said. I know, Quinn said, running a hand over the center stripe that ran from his forehead. The largest security feature is being miles away from anywhere. It isn't meant as a holdout, just a hangout. Then a crash of, blinking, of breaking glass came from upstairs. Lennox's ears pinned themselves to his head. So what do we do? Quinn's tail had started to frizz. Well, there's nothing that we can hide within here, he said. I've tried. Heavy footsteps creaked above the ceiling. Laura grabbed Quinn's arm. What about outside? Is our cellar anything? Quinn shook his head again. Anyone tried making a call? No signal, Celestina answered. Vigo hopped off the couch. Well, I don't want to stick around much longer. He started walking to the door. Laura started after him. I'll drive. Lennox followed Quinn and Celestina out the door. I call shotgun, Lennox hissed as soon as he stepped outside. They ran down the path under the faint light of their cell phones. Quinn knew the path by heart, even without a flashlight. He ordered everyone to stick close to him. He checked around them, but with everyone else running and breathing, he couldn't tell if they were being pursued. We're almost there, 
Quinn whispered, Are we still together? Yeah, uh-huh, I'm here. They closed the distance to the small parking lot. Wait, Quinn said, where's Lennox? Where are my keys? Laura asked, fishing through her purse. Where are the cars? Celestine asked. They stood together in the cul-de-sac where the cars had been parked, around them near black darkness. So is anyone else scared out of their mind? Vigo asked with a whimper. The wind picked up, rustling the last of the leaves in the trees. In the sky, the moon remained resolutely behind thick clouds. Beyond the veil of darkness, a growl rose. No, two growls. They were surrounded. Quinn felt himself pressed in on all sides by his friends. Laura had a tight grip on his arm. Vigo's whimpers threatened to drown out all other sound. Then a light shone on them. It came in a flash. The flash of a camera. Laughter replaced the growls. Blaze emerged from the darkness, his head thrown back in mirth. Light from a flashlight illuminated him. The group turned and there was Lennox, giggling uncontrollably. Oh, that guy, you didn't it, Quinn Blaze said. Wait, you mean you two? You pulled pranks with no consequence for four years, Quinn Blaze said. Trust me, this was coming to you. You never thought to take a picture either, Lennox said as he dashed to Blaze's side. Let me see. But how did you... Blaze handed the camera to Lennox. Made a little recording last time I was here. Walking, creaking floorboards, breaking some glass. Left it playing on the stereo upstairs in the lodge. Planned it out to give me some time to run out here. Perfect shot, Blaze, Lennox said, falling into another fit of giggles. Laura asked Laura. Relax, Blaze tossed a, keys, a set of keys to her. I just moved him down the drive. I need to stop here and look around, ready for your photo op. Laura put her fists on her hips. And how did you get my keys? Lennox pilfered them from me. I had to get someone. Blaze blinked, noticing Celestina suddenly right in front of him. Hello? She kicked him right between the legs. I like that story. It felt very special. I yeah. like that, and it was it was it was really well done. Thank you, Quinn. Yes, thank you, Quinn. We really appreciate you taking the time. I know you put a lot of effort into that story. Yes. So yes, thank you. So something interesting came out, and it sounds creepy. So here it is. So welcome to Uncle Boudreaux's story time. <laughs> so what was that, Tugs? It was the recording of a murderer. A murderer? Yeah. Was he murdering somebody right then? Yeah. No, he wasn't. What do you think it was? A radio at B-side. <laughs> it's the oldest sound ever? Yeah. Uh, it actually turns out this week that they took the original wax cylinder that Thomas Edison used to make those first recordings way back in the late 1800s. And they weren't able to play it until recently because it had been folded, and if they were to put a needle on it, it would destroy the recording. 
So they used the magic of 3D printing and computers to reproduce it and play it for the first time since basically it had been recorded. And I thought it sounded pretty creepy. So it fit right in with the Halloween hey, cat, episode. It sounded like some guy laughing or something. <laughs> it's actually also the first blooper ever recorded. Oh. <laughs> if any, yeah, If any listeners... Uh, want to be creeped out by some some audio goodness? I would recommend going to YouTube and seeing if you can find a recording of the Beatles' Revolution Number no. Nine backwards from beginning to end. It's just deeply, deeply unsettling. You're welcome. <laughs> awesome. So, what's the worst candy you've ever gotten on Halloween? Rue, you have to have a candy. I think it's more or less like I think it's that hairbrush. <laughs> you know, it's not a candy. I know it's not a candy, but Did that's you try what to I, eat it. That's what I got for <laughs> Halloween. It's like horrible. Wasn't it retro who got the Santa chocolate? Ew. Yeah, you know, Santa chocolate. You know, I don't. I don't know if this is the worst candy I've ever got on Halloween. But you know, like when you're a little kid and you go to someone's house, like, oh, here's a bit of honey. You're like, this is bullshit. Bit of honeys are nasty. <laughs> like, I love it when they give you like one Tootsie Roll. What? I know. It's like, <laughs> dude, you got a bag of 5,000 right there. Give me more than one. I, know. I, I grew up in a really rich neighborhood, so I always got like really, I always got like really plentiful Halloween spoils, but like, yeah, that, that bit of honey just really put me off. <laughs> Those rich neighborhoods were nice because you got like full size candy bars. No, there, there was like, there was, uh, there, we had one neighbor, like, like way up, way the fuck up in the mountains. But like, if you like, if you like walked all the way there, then they would, they would, they had like a, a box of like DVDs. They're just like, oh, pick one of these, you know. And it'd be, <laughs> it'd be like, and they, they, they weren't like, they were like fucking like like five dollar bin movies either, you know. Like they actually bought premium. Yeah, like, <laughs> like one of my friends is like, oh yeah, dude, I got, I got the Grinch, the Jim Carrey one, and you know, like that is scary. Yeah. <laughs> That is, All right, that I, is frightening. Yeah. I have a I have a bad one. I got canned foods. What? Really? I don't know. I don't know. I actually actually at, at this at this point in my life, like being being a twenty one year old college student, I think that I think that if I found out everybody was handing out like like canned food if I dressed up in a costume and went door to door, I'd be like, Yeah, fuck yeah. Like get some grocery shopping. But you have to understand these were like like peaches that were like made. They were by just the emptying their food storage. Yeah, they were using their food storage. <laughs> wait, 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 so so were, were they like self canned peaches? Or yes. Were, no, no, that's awesome. <laughs> if I was a little kid and I got that, I'd go back for seconds. <laughs> okay, Corey, you have three candies, and I've been waiting patiently for several recording sessions to hear it. So, what three, are they? Three candies. You said you have three candies that you got that were weird. I never said three. I said I definitely have a story for the weirdest treat, let's not hear it. the weirdest let's candy. Let's hear it. Cream of mushroom soup. <laughs> <laughs> what? Really? Cam- See, that's Campbell's that's what... cream of mushroom soup. Oh, they give you at least good stuff. That. That's pretty good. <laughs> See, like, like that's that's what I thought Rue was talking about when he said canned food. I was thinking like, uh, like chicken soup for the soul, or <laughs> like. No, I, I got a can of cream of mushroom soup. I I had see I told you I had boring Halloweens because I didn't get anything weird I got like 
fun bars and that was it you know like what else gobstoppers i had i went trick-or-treating once with my friend it was the only time halloween was warm enough here in utah as a kid that i didn't have to wear a stupid coat because it's always cold here for halloween right yeah and we i went trick-or-treating with him and we went we broke at his house and his dad comes in. He's like, "All right, let me look at the candy." And I and I realize now what he was doing. But he started pulling out the weirdest candy. So like, "Oh, you can't have this. You can't have this. This is unsafe." And then I realized later what he was doing was stealing all the good candy for himself. <laughs> <laughs> I, I must I, add though that the the can of cream of mushroom soup. I guess that was partially my fault because uh, that was the year that my mom had made me a Star Trek uniform. So I looked like John Luke Picard, basically, <laughs> and. <laughs> I happened to go up to a house that didn't have a light on, and the guy at the door thought it was cool because he was a Trekkie, and he said he had to find me something, so he got me a can of cream of mushroom soup. Was it cool? (laughs) I thought it was. Did you enjoy that meal? I, I don't remember. <laughs> Actually, I do. I do have something weird. Have you ever gone up to the house where, like, they're like, "We're gone, so we're just gonna put this bowl of random candy and take one." <laughs> have you ever had that happen? Like, yeah, it has a sign there that says "Take one." Oh, yeah. come on, are you gonna just take one? No, because it was like a bowl of candy corn. Like, yeah, th- they weren't wrapped. Oh well, that's sick. Oh no. Someone, someone on Reddit said that every year they just put an empty bowl out in front of their house and it would say, "Please take one," and then everybody would just think some douchebag came and took all of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we're going to do this year. <laughs> no, nah, I remember when I was like in first grade or something, we watched like some like like uh, little kids like PBS educational show and like it had like these kids who went trick or treating and the old man there was like, I've got a better thing than candy. Come in and I'll read you some storybooks. <laughs> and then they like, no, 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 no. They, they all, they all kind of like sit down and he like reads like these storybooks and they have like little animations for the storybooks and I'm like, I'm like, if I... <laughs> If I was a kid and I, I walked up there, I'd be like, uh, retreat. Not because I thought the guy was going to molest me, because he didn't have any fucking candy. <laughs> I don't want stories. Hey, you know, I want I've, sweet treats. I have been looking to get rid of those Pokemon VHSs. We're not doing that. Veto. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of Pokemon are you? Okay. I don't. I don't even know if kids know what a VHS is, or like, like. Pokemon. Like, I don't think they would be familiar with those things. <laughs> All right. We have something from Cash. Yes. Johnny we Cash? have a Halloween story. And a it says, one. When I was younger, me and my mother used to decorate our entire house into Halloween, a haunted house. And we would scare all the little kids that used to come around just for fun. She would spend a lot of money on handmade... Oh, hand-making me costumes to blend into, blend into with the house, so I could, could be the scariest person there and jump out and scare all the ki- little kids, and get all the candy they dropped. <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of for some reason? Is that the whole email? No. Oh, okay. Sorry. One year the <laughs> the cops were called because a parent thought it was too scared too scary for her child oh, no. and demanded the cops to have a shutdown the cops told her that if she didn't like it to move on and ignore it it was the best year yet i hope you enjoy my story here's a here's a horror story everybody grab onto something because i just rolled my eyes so hard that the earth was spun out of orbit <laughs> uh, and we're all going to die yeah 
<laughs> there you go. Oh man, that is great. That, you know what that you know what reminded me of? When the Haunted Mansion first opened at Disneyland, way back in the sixties, they had a cast member that wore armor and would jump out at people. And really? That's it, so it didn't cool. last long. Oh, because, in the hallway? Yeah. Yeah. It didn't last long because the people were punching him in the face. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yep. They also took out a ghost, the hat box ghost. They show him an art where he's has a box and his head's on it. And uh-huh. he used to be in the attraction, but they took him out on day two. Really? Why? The effect didn't work. How? Oh. You could still see the head, even though the light had turned off inside the box. I'm sure they could do it now, but whatever. It's established as it is. Have you ever heard of a, a hell house? Like My house? No. Okay, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm talking about like like uh, these Southern Baptist denominations, like... like you know, way down south, apparently there are like these churches that uh, what they do is they they make a, a haunted house where they like uh, have like a bunch of rooms that like have scenes of people sinning. You know, like oh really? Yeah, like like well, it'll have like a, a room where someone will be like, oh, I had an abortion. You know, and another room is like I'm actively gay, and then you see like can Satan drag them off. Can I be? And the last room, the last room shows them suffering in hell. And after after the whole thing is done, they have like a preacher at the end who's like, oh, save your souls if you if, if you go into this room to my right and pray to the Lord, then you'll be saved. And if you leave, you're going to hell. You know. I and would totally do that. I would totally do that. I'd go to one of those, but I would stay in the gluttony room. I just stuff my face with cookies. That's well, what I do. <laughs> I don't. I, yeah. Well, I like if if you want to know more about it, like I, I'm. They made a documentary out of one of them. It's just called Hell House, and like I'm pretty sure the whole thing is on YouTube, like in one video. Wow. Uh, and I I watched the whole thing. It's extremely fascinating, and it's also very hilarious. <laughs> All right. Well, it's my turn to read my original story. So here's my crappy writing. Is everyone ready for this? Yep. It's gonna be amazing. <clears throat> Midnight was driving home one night after a long social event for the Halloween holiday. Normally, his driving was mediocre at best, but his head hurt and eyes were heavy as a result of having one too many cocktails. He had tried to stay long enough to sober up and had done so, but that was when the headache had hit. It was one of those migraines crushing his temples, the kind with rainbow trails and distorted colors. Not that it mattered as he traveled down the lone road, his headlights shining into the distance. His eyes noticed the reflected light in the puddles, was streaking into multiple colors, and the white stripes appeared to be a solid line. A car blared its horn as it traveled by in the opposite direction, startling the wolf, who shut his eyes for just a moment. He thought perhaps he had better pull over and rest before he pushed himself too hard. Moments later, the gravel popping under his tires signaled to any animal nearby that a person was in the vicinity. Midnight cracked his window for the sake of fresh air and reclined in his seat, closing his eyes. He figured a 20-minute power nap would do the trick as he began to doze off. Sounds from the woods. Thud. His eyes snapped open. Without the moon overhead, he couldn't tell what had made that sound, so he activated his headlights, which lit up the darkness. Nothing. He turned his lights back off and shut his eyes again, drifting. Thud. It happened again, a soft thudding sound. Midnight opened his door, stepping out of his car, turning the headlights back on. He stretched his cramped limbs as he looked around, curiously. Ah! He screamed and jumped as something small ran over his foot and under his car. He kicked the gravel, sending rocks flying, as he felt incredibly stupid for letting a little mouse scare him. 
He reached for the door handle, salivating at the thought of that nap when the door lock clicked into place and the headlights died, leaving only the faint illumination from the car's radio face to show the outline of his keys in the ignition. Shit, screamed Midnight, cursing his decision to not get a spare key for cost reasons. His sense of dread only increased as he recognized his cell phone lying on the passenger seat from his drive texting escapades earlier. Head still pounding, the wolf made a decision to walk down the road and see if he could locate some help. Moments later, Midnight was 500 feet down the road, woods on both sides, as he struggled to keep track of the stripes on the road, faintly illuminated by the reflected light of a distant city. The pounding in his head was growing worse. The road was damp and cold under his feet. As he looked for puddles, the light off to the side of the road caught his attention. A cabin, perhaps? He decided to see if he could make his way over to it. Pressing his way through the foliage, the wolf jumped again at the sound of a loud snap as something fell out of the tree next to him. Shit! He yelled looking for the outline of the creature in the bush. Nothing. He had heard a sound. Was it? The soft sounds of someone walking through the undergrowth? A foul, oniony smell clouded his nose. Hello? He called hesitantly. No reply. Just the sound of footsteps over and over. Hello? He called again, this time being answered by the sound of what sounded like a wet sponge being squished. That definitely didn't belong in the woods. He decided he'd better move faster. He pushed through the bushes and branches, Trees slapped him in the face. He listened carefully as the footsteps grew faster and nearer. He increased his speed more, unsure of what was following him. After a few more moments, he paused to catch his breath, doubling over to breathe comfortably. Yah! His shrill scream rang through the night as something warm and wet brushed across his ankle, causing him to burst into a mad sprint towards the light. The squish sounds and footsteps increased, chasing him through the woods, light growing ever closer. Go away, he screamed, fearing a crazed murderer or snake or other creature that was out for blood. A branch cut his cheek, a thorn bush tore at his legs, causing him to yelp in pain. Suddenly he emerged from the woods, seeing about ten clear feet ahead of him before the sheer drop of a cliff began. The light was from a sign, not a house. Midnight whipped around, heart beating in his throat, scanning the woods for what was no doubt about to emerge. I'm armed! He screamed into the trees. A slow, sickening squish was all he heard back. His eyes could barely make out the small, three-inch-tall thing as it emerged from the trees. He started to back up, keeping a few feet between himself and the cliff. He studied the thing carefully. Three inches tall and six inches long. What the hell was this? How much danger was he in? With a sickening sound that made his stomach turn, Midnight took another step back as the thing slid forward toward him. Back off, he said, fidgeting with his claws. It edged closer to him, forcing him to the edge before it stopped. Hard about to explode in his chest, Midnight watched carefully. It jumped. Midnight tumbled backward in an attempt to dodge the thing, spilling off the cliff and into freefall. As he fell, his eyes took in the sign he thought was in help seemed in what seemed like an hour ago. As he tumbled through the air for what seemed like an eternity, he noticed a large black circle rapidly growing beneath where he was going to hit the ground. Thunk. The wolf fell into the chute, disgusting sounds of grinding and food processing emanating from the pipe leading into the factory under the warm glow of the yellow M sign. Moments later, Chuck pulled away, the first highly prized pork sandwich delivery of the season, and there would be many more to come. The end. Is that how McRibs are made? I don't know what that was. Wow. That's my story. <laughs> you have a demented mind, but I love it. Oh, I know. This is why they give me the psycho pills. <laughs> <laughs> it's time for your favorite thing. It's the cookie moment. It is the haunted cookie moment. Yay! Ready to open it? Are you going to try and eat it? 
I'm gonna open it. All right, here we go. No! <laughs> I just killed a cookie. Yeah. It had a soul. <laughs> it was made of midnight. It says <laughs> that cookie just saw ruin bed. <laughs> the fortune says. You've killed me. I'm dead. <laughs> In bed with a cookie. <laughs> Why did you do to that cookie? I killed it. That's so sad. Oh, well, I'll eat it. <laughs> cannibal. I'm not a cookie, so therefore I'm not a cannibal. From now on, you are going to have to hide from your past. Every night, you are going to lay in bed in a cold sweat thinking, I, <laughs> I can bed never with go a cookie. back. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we are going to put a special story, just for time reasons, on the site. So check it out. It's from Tenacious. And it is a really cool story that is an old story from when Halloween was becoming popular. So please, please go check that out. And we thank Tenacious for the story. It's now time for Rue's story. So this little story comes from a little puppy bear called Tugsy. (laughs) Tugsy wasn't always happy. You know, he left his friends and care a lot, and he went to, went to Earth in search for something better. Tugs found himself alone in this different world, and he found that he wanted a friend. So he walked around the streets looking for somebody to be his friend. He even went and stopped into the pet shop to see if he could find himself a new friend. As he was walking down the street one day, he ran into this little wine red fox who was skipping happily down the street, eating his cookie. All of a sudden, without Tugsy looking, There's this car that came out of nowhere and almost ran over Tugs. But in a split second, the foxy grabbed the, the, he grabbed the puppy bear and pulled him out of the way. The foxy replied to him, watch it, kid. What are you doing here? That day he met Rue. At the time, he didn't know that that was Rue. Tugsy went on his way. Going, He went back home, feeling lonely that day, not being able to find a friend. When he heard a noise from the bushes. And he looked. And he saw this little tiny fluffy ball that mewed at him. He was so cute 
he wanted to take it home. But this little ball had this red, evil-looking eyes and looked very scary but cute at the same time. Tugsy so wanted a friend, so he took the little ball home with him. And this little ball of fur, he cuddled and hugged him and cared for him as if it was his best friend. But what he didn't know is this little ball of fur had sinister plans. So little Tugsy called him Munchie and he fed him his little table scraps that he received. <laughs> what he didn't know is that is, as he fed Munchie, the monster, the little tiny monster, grew bigger and bigger and bigger. Little Tugsy noticed that his, that his food was starting to disappear and that all the cookies were gone and that they were missing. And he noticed that little Munchie was not so little anymore, but he had grown and was starting to eat him out of house and home. He grew as big as a trash can. He grew as big as a car. He continued to grow as big as his house. Munchie continued to grow and started eating everything in sight. The trees, the houses. Munchie grew even bigger he got to the size of a skyscraper. All the furries were screaming and running away as little Munchie, not so little anymore, ended up destroying the city. Tugsy didn't know what to do. All the people that he could have been friends with had been eaten and all the cookies were gone and they were missing. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, in a flash of light, a little fox comes flying in with a cape and all and starts clobbering little Munchie, trying to stop him from eating all the cookies in this world. The cookie muncher had grown and had returned and Rue knew that there was only one way to stop him. And so he ate him in one bite. And little Munchie, the cookie muncher, was no more. That's it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's not it. Here's the very ending. 
little Rue <laughs> came down to little Tugsy and picked him up. And they became friends that very day. What is wrong with you? <laughs> that was fantastic. If I could only record the looks on Tug's face during the whole story. <laughs> it, was, it was better than my other story that I came up with. Did you really just make that up? I just made it up as I went. It was horrible. I'm sorry. What no, it, I thought it was hilarious. What, what made it was the music. Thank you so much. That, that was, was just welcome. awesome. I thought, I, I thought at parts I'm like, oh crap, that chord didn't work very well. No, it did. See, the off chords and like the uh, the uh, the sharps and the flats are just perfect in there. That was awesome. You know what? You get our award. It. The story. <laughs> yeah. The story wasn't supposed to go that way, but it did. <laughs> you, you were supposed to stop the cookie muncher, not me. I know. I like how you made that story about him. Yeah. All right. Well, we have a what? question for you from Cinny. Cinny Skunk wants to know, aside from Mari Rue, what has been your favorite costume to dress Rue up in? Oh, wow. That's a good question. Um, I would have to say that that would have to be probably dressing him up in a Hawaiian type costume. So then I can like give lays out to people and get people laid. <laughs> I'm I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I think that the, my favorite costume is to dress Rue up as Super Rue. Is that when you get all the Chaos Emeralds or something? No, it's when I get to eat a cookie. Oh, it's in your logo. It's in the logo. Should <laughs> oh, <no. That's laughs> look at our logo more. That's what you need is a plush Chaos Emerald. That would be pretty awesome. But then I would have to become golden. You know, golden Rue. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. Well, we were going to do a radio play, and unfortunately it didn't pan out, despite our promo proclaiming that we were doing this. So instead, I thought that we would pull out a little bit of learning. See, radio plays are good with rehearsal. Where are we pulling it out from? <laughs> the internet. The cloud. The cloud. <laughs> so, I don't know how much everyone knows about Halloween, but as I prepared this, I was like, are you serious? This is a fact? So... I thought we could learn a little thing today. All Hallows Eve. Actually, Halloween is a contraction of All Hallows Evening. It's Ooh. been shortened over time and in use. And don't worry, this goes somewhere. <laughs> All Hallows Evening started in Scotland and was only available for use in Old English in print by the year 1556. Did you know that? No. no. That was interesting. We learned something. <laughs> <laughs> The original term is a Christian term, but the holidays we know it is believed to have pagan roots originating during the period of the Roman Empire. There are feasts and activities during the celebrations, and the Scots picked them up. The Scots gave us something besides Sean Connery. That was nice. That was thank you, Scots. <laughs> no, I'm not. Com um, I'm not completely pagan, but isn't it also known as Samhain? Okay, that's the pagan festival. I think. Yeah. I think. I think Sean Connery is Irish, but the Scots did give us border collies. So there you go. <laughs> And golf. Okay, we stop. learned something. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> so, Scots immigrating to the New World brought the holiday with them well after the establishment of the original settlements. The Puritan settlers were strongly opposed to Halloween until there were too many Scots to stop it. 
Yes, for the Scots. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I love the Scots. Running, oh, yeah. r- wonderful. <laughs> running. We have Scottish listeners. Running with their kilts fluttering in the wind. We do. Actually, everybody at my job, every time we get new employees, I use this accent for like two weeks. <laughs> yeah, just to trip them up, and they they usually believe me until someone blows my cover. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. Anyhow, I like that. Halloween. So originally, the Scots used turnips for decorative purposes, but pumpkins were used by the immigrants due to its size and prevalence in North America. So I'm gonna start decorating turnips. That just sounds awesome. Can it be like the big ones, like in uh, Mario Two, the big turnips that you throw at people with the big heavy the face Uber on turnips? It? I know, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, the first recorded instance of guising was in 1895 in Scotland with children visiting the houses of others with carved out turnips to collect candies. The first known instance in the United States was in 1919. Can you believe that? In the book Halloween America by Ruth Edna Kelly. My grandpa was born in 1919. Okay, that's never mind. We're learning a lot. <laughs> We're learning a lot, Croak. Again. Again. No, no, we no. Want, I want to the learn The first else. known use of the in print of the term trick or treat was in 1927 from Blackie, Alberta, Canada. Trick or treat. Did you just say Blackie? I, yeah, it's a place. Okay. Trick or, trick. or a thing. Halloween costumes became popular in North America in the 1930s. I thought this has been going on for hundreds of years. No, it's not. I knew that. I knew it was actually it's a turn of the century. It's Mother's thing. Day in that cultural sense. Your mom is that old? All right, Darth Tugs. I guess we received that answer. I don't have the whole soundboard right now. All right, apple bobbing is believed to originate directly from pagan festivals in Roman times. It just held on all this time. Hmm. I didn't know that. I just, I just want to note to everybody that I don't control the soundboard, just the yes, mixer he does. board. Yes, it does. No, just the mixer board. <laughs> no, I do the soundboard. So if you would like me to mute the soundboard, email Karu at... <laughs> For what it's worth, that comes. I love sure. being the host. Okay, uh, one tradition which was documented in 1904 as part of the once more popular divining activities of Halloween. This was all the Satan-y stuff. Wherein a woman would stand in a dark room in front of a mirror with a candle and look for the passing face of her future husband. Have you done that? Mm-mm. Is that called Bloody Mary now? I think so. <laughs> I love Bloody Marys. Bloody, Bloody Marys. Bloody Marys extra spicy with some celery. Just excellent. Oh, God. Alright, the exact origins of the modern haunted house are unknown. Does anyone know where they come from? Disneyland. No. Um, the Scots. <laughs> the Scots. <laughs> Pagans. Do you have a guess? As to where the haunted, haunted house comes from. Come from? Uh, buh, 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 My buh. mind. The Shining. Um, does it have something to do with King Henry VIII, maybe? <laughs> No, no. We, we brought up we brought up Bloody Mary, and that's where my mind went. <laughs> they are thought to have come from the Junior Chamber International Organization for fundraising during the season, but that so that organization is a secular organization. Oh, I thought you meant like the the haunted house concept. No, like, it came from that. Like that they are, put it together. I say I thought I thought you meant where where was the first instance of the concept of a house oh. that is haunted? No, 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 no. Okay. Like the go through oh, and get yeah. grabbed. The ghoulies. Oh, okay. See, that makes sense. Okay, so the last thing, and this is what got me. How much money do you think a haunted house earns? Like, all the haunted houses in North America, if you put them together, how much money do you think they make? 
I think they make about a million dollars. Are we talking about like a net total? Oh, yes. a net total. So, all of all of the haunted houses. So, so that's that is that is the capital gain minus the capital loss. What do you mean all of the haunted houses? What haunted house do you go to that makes a million dollars? Well, this is all of them across North America. Together. Yeah, so way well, more no. than a million dollars. <laughs> and it and it is. Right. I think it's profit. It doesn't say. Okay. All right. I'm gonna. I don't know. What do you guys think? Five million? Is that too high? <laughs> He's doing the the doctor evil. Um, I don't. I don't know. I I haven't the. I don't know anything about like economics. So okay. Forty two million. Okay, how many haunted houses do you think are actually in the United States? That like we live in a unique place because there are not a lot of haunted houses everywhere. Okay, well, we have some haunted houses here we that like rack six. in some serious money. Yeah, we have like six. Like, but still, I mean, these are like people come from all over the state just to go to these places. Right, but like I'm saying, if you go to other states, maybe have like one or two. No way. Yeah. No, because I grew up in Houston, and there is one. It was this two-story, huge mansion. It was actually like the community hall. Right. But they turned this whole place. Each room had a separate setting. So that's that's a shared and building in that case, right? This is not a dedicated building, right? No, it's not this, dedicated. This but is just dedicated haunted houses. Okay, but they still charge admission, so that right. would count. Well, not in this figure, because I don't have that... Dedicated buildings for haunted houses make $500,000 during the season every year. That's it? Yeah. And see, I would see a lot of that's here from Utah. Because like I said, we've got those big ones. 500000 I was way off. Like we've got, what is it, 13th Street? The Nightmare on 13th Street? What's the other one? We have 666 place now. Yeah. I mean, these places are, I mean, they're dedicated, but holy crap. I mean, there's lines. There's police that escort people down the road just to get the traffic through. It's crazy. Did you learn something? <laughs> well, apparently we did. <laughs> well, I hope you all found that enlightening. I thought you would be more enlightened than you turned out. Oh, thanks. Yeah, that's all right. You make me feel dark. I'm glowing already. All right. Well, it's Halloween, but the time you hear this, we hope you enjoyed our Ow. little special. <laughs> what the that was what a was that? Ow. That was a little fox cry. Ow. That's what he sounds like <laughs> when he stubs his toe. <laughs> All right, well, we have special thanks, so let's read these in order, shall we, Rue? So, we want to say thanks to Jenica. Retro. Cine Skunk. Quinn Stormclap. Tenacious Barlow. Christian the Border Collie. Providing our wonderful hymns. <laughs> wonderful hymns. Cash. Thomas Edison. Dead people. Zombies. Ghouls and ghosts. And Batman. Thank you to everyone for that. So next episode, we have the Thanksgiving episode. <laughs> Seriously, we do. <laughs> so we're going to be, ta- um, yeah, we're going to take some time and show you how grateful that we are. What? So- that just sounds awful. You just built that show up wrong. What? We're going to show everyone how grateful we are. How about we just say we're going to share what we're thankful for? That's what you wrote here. I'm just reading the script. These are notes. Don't look at me. <laughs> Damn it. That's two episodes in a row. This show is maybe, scripted. Maybe you guys should just like make a really big feast and record your eating noises. That's the McRib episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you and go. apparently we're going to be eating midnight. from your story. Parts of midnight. We're eating row. Oh. Who? Never mind. Anyways. Row? Like Roe v. Wade? <laughs> 
Ryu. Okay, in all seriousness. Like in all seriousness, if you if there's something that you want to express gratitude for, we would love to hear it from you. It's probably going to be a little bit more serious than this special of ours, um, and it will be a regular episode. But we would love to hear from you. So please send us what you want to express gratitude for. Also, we have some contact information. Please make sure to, um, you know, if you need to contact us, call us at. Four six nine four four furry, all ten digits. Yeah, yay! <laughs> and you also can um, send us goodies and different things in our PO box at PO box two five three nine four, Salt Lake City, Utah eight four one two five. Great! I love how you just know everything. Yeah. <laughs> Took me a while to memorize it. We <laughs> haven't not gotten anything in the box yet. Shame, shame! I thought we would get more. I know. So therefore, the lanyard prize is still out there it is it is um coming soon if you send us a postcard and you put your name on it we just might send you something back it won't be a lanyard but it'll be something and we're going to put it up on our little map that we are going to put up in the studio so we can see where our listeners are and it will be awesome we want you to be on our map hint it rhymes with manthrax <laughs> why are you ruining the surprise <laughs> mustard gas also Please follow us on um, Facebook. Yeah, you and Facebook. Twitter. <laughs> Love Twitter. <laughs> um, and please, you know, share, like, tweet, whatever. Whatever yes. you do. Do what it is you do. And also, um, if you'd like, please feel free to donate to our Bitcoin system. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this is Don- dragging on too Donations long. are accepted. You know, it is expensive to talk. I, you know, talk is cheap. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's wrap this up. I'll tell you what. The first person to send us a postcard or any type of mail that has anything to do fur related, I do have a DeviantArt. I do make things. You can look it up. Karu Fox is my username on DeviantArt. I will make you a tail. Ooh. How about that? (laughs) First person to send us mail, I will make a tail. There, we've replaced the lanyard with a tail. We've upped the ante. That's a pretty big ante. All right, let's go. I'm hungry. Okay. Big rib rib time. (laughs) Big what? Big rib time. No, not yet. It's not in season. No, it's not till the end of December. Okay, Starbucks time. Starbucks is closed. Yeah, I found out, like, I, I think... I think some Starbucks in other states are open like 24 hours. We have one 24-hour Starbucks here. Yeah, I mean, fuck, like, like what's, what's, <laughs> it's what's in the, the hospital, deal? no less. Oh, there's one right. in the Marriott. Is it open all the time? Yeah, it's open 24, but it's not like a regular Starbucks. It's one of those. It's like we think we're Starbucks, uh, we, and we we, ser- it, we it's sell a, we Starbucks. We proudly serve Starbucks coffee place. Yeah, yeah. so <laughs> so they don't accept the the card or anything like that. That is scary. All right. Well, on that note, <laughs> thanks for joining us for the Halloween special. We'll see you soon. Please send email to rue at forwhatitsworth.com. Tugs at forwhatitsworth.com. Karu at forwhatitsworth.com. Or cast at forwhatitsworth.com. If you have music and or art, send it to music at forwhatitsworth.com. Ow. Ow. <laughs> pop Smash filter. your nose on the, pop on filter. the microphone. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, this is Tugs. This is Rue. And Karu. And this has been For For What what It's it's worth. Worth.